Welcome to Pullback. I'm Kristen Pugh, and I'm here with Kyla Hewson. Hello. Trying to be a good person can be overwhelming in our complex global marketplace. In this podcast, we try to make it a little easier by looking at the details behind consumer movements, product labels, and ethical lifestyles. Each episode, we challenge ourselves to try something new in ethical consumption. Then we tell you what we learned, fuck-ups and all. So yeah, this episode is our the third part of our three-parter on clothing. Welcome. Just as a recap, the first episode, or the first part, we looked at people in clothing, and we learned that sweatshops are all kind of fucked up. Part two, we looked at clothing in the environment, and uh, now we're going to talk about what it means to have a conscious closet. Hey, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Why did the crab never share? I don't know. Why? Because he was shellfish. (laughs) So for anyone just tuning in to the third part, uh, I've been trying to liven up how depressing the first two were with some really corny jokes, and I still have a whole bunch left. So even though this episode doesn't (laughs) need them as much, we are going to get them. (laughs) They've been prepped. They're going to be used. (laughs) So... Trying to incorporate ethics into how we dress ourselves can be really overwhelming. I mean, we talked for what, like three hours and barely scratched the surface of the the topics. So the overall message I think that we need to take is that we do need to reject the mentality of fast fashion since the business model itself is what's causing a lot of the problems. Like that was why the first two episodes were so depressing. We had some some like concrete steps that you could take but most of it is about sort of like disengaging yourself from fast fashion which is a lot harder than you know just finding the right eco label so uh just a few stats to reinforce why it's true that we need to disengage from fast fashion more than 70 percent of the average wardrobe is going unworn so we don't wear most of the clothes that we have Being more intentional about your wardrobe is basically, it's an important first step. That's not really a stat. It's just something that's true. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, the best way for you to have a a positive impact is just to wear the stuff that you have for longer. Um, It can really cut down your environmental footprint. But the challenge with that is if you've got a fast fashion wardrobe, which like most of us, if we're millennial or Gen Z, we do... Um, then you've got a wardrobe that's full of shitty materials that wear out quickly. And so just wearing your clothing for longer can be really tricky. So what we want to talk about in this episode is like, what can you do to fix that? And the nice thing is that there's a really good book with practical advice on how to do that. And uh, I spent some time reading it. It's called The Conscious Closet, and it's written by Elizabeth Klein. We're going to go through her general advice in this episode, but... I do sort of really highly recommend just get this book. I won't necessarily always say this about books. A lot of the times I'll love a book, but this one really, like you should just get it because it has a lot of great details that we can't cover in a podcast episode, but that are so practical and so useful. Um, It's maybe the most practical book I've ever read. So we talked about our own conscious closet cleanouts in part two. So we both identified a couple of items that we wanted to remove, but most of our stuff's going to stay. As people who we already kind of think about this sort of stuff, like we started this podcast because it was already on our minds. So I think 
hopefully you and I are maybe doing a little bit better than the average. So we have fewer things to get rid of, but I think if 70% of the average person's closet is going unworn, maybe a listener might be getting rid of more stuff than us. I mean, we don't own a lot. Whereas I think in the book, you sent me some like screenshots. She used, she started out with what, 350 plus items when she first started yeah. her ethical fashion journey, which I think is maybe closer to what like a normal person might find in their closet, which I mean, that's just the world we live in. So like, I'm not going to stand here and judge you guys. I had a different lifestyle for the last few years that meant I had to have a smaller wardrobe. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and I will just say, like, I was surprised by the number of items that I had. I think a lot of listeners will be surprised by, like, actually how many clothes they have. And we didn't count socks and underwear, which I think... Yeah. Would... <laughs> yeah, it would really run up that total. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think even if you're not going to do any of the other stuff, literally just counting all the items that you have is a really interesting... Yeah, it's an eye-opener for sure. So throughout the episode, we're going to talk about those items that we wanted to get rid of um, as it sort of comes up with the sort of themes that we're talking about. Uh, so hopefully we'll make it a little bit more practical for everybody. But first, uh, what is a conscious closet? So essentially a conscious closet, it's just a wardrobe that's built with greater intention and awareness of our clothes. So that can be like awareness of where they come from, what they're made out of, and why they matter. So Looking at like what each element of your wardrobe contributes to the overall wardrobe is also sort of part of the picture. And I don't know about you, Kyla, but I do not intentionally develop a wardrobe. I don't think like, oh, I need X basic to fulfill Y function. Like I need this piece of clothing to make this other piece of clothing into a beautiful outfit. Whereas I just see a shirt that I like, and I'm like, well, we'll mm -hmm. figure it. I mean, most of my bottoms are like black jeans for work, so that pretty much goes with everything. But yeah, I think this book yeah. does recommend maybe picking stuff with more intention. Like, this is going to go with this outfit. Yeah, she basically says, like, you should have a set of basics. I mean, maybe this is stuff that, like, previous generations would definitely all have known, but... I don't know. I grew up in fast fashion and I did not I did not learn how many basic items you should have and what like what neutral colors were appropriate and how to develop your color palette and like how many pants you need and like it just that's not stuff that I feel we're taught. We anymore. just bought what was trendy and then got rid of it like a year yeah, later. Exactly. <laughs> so, there are a lot of different tools and strategies to build a conscious closet and we're going to talk about some but not all of them today. Um, and the mix of strategies that works best for you is going to be different for everybody. Uh, and one sort of tool that Klein identifies to help you with that is different fashion personality types. And Kyla, I think I immediately know which one both of us are, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there are three. So there are minimalists, style seekers, and traditionalists. So minimalists buy for keeps, have a more timeless look, and want to cut clutter from their lives. Maximalists, uh, style seekers are maximalists, and they basically want like statement pieces, and they need lots of change in their wardrobe. And then traditionalists are kind of like in the middle of those two things. So which one of those do you think you are? Uh, I would think that necessity has made me a minimalist for the last six, seven years. Mm. And I would like to keep being a minimalist, but... Now that I own some nicer clothes from my old job, 
I do kind of like having statement pieces. Like it's something that I mm. didn't have when I was younger and I'm appreciating as an older version of myself. <laughs> what about you? Interesting. Yeah, I feel like um so almost the opposite. Like um I don't think I was ever a style se- seeker like anyone <laughs> that knows me. <laughs> That's not true. Um but I do think um I've gone for more like trendy pieces, like really bright shirts and things like that in the past. And now I'm trying to move towards a more minimalist wardrobe. So I'm like aspirationally minimalist, whereas now you're sort of like, hey, I want to throw on some style seeker elements. Yeah, I like that we're crisscrossing here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like the point in this book is like, you can be any of those three and you can also be like mixes of both in different parts of your life. And that's okay. There, there is a way to build a conscious closet anyway um, with those, but it just means that like you'll, everyone has slightly different ways of approaching it. Yeah, well, and it depends on your needs. Like, if I'm working at a job where I have to wear black jeans, then I'm going to just get black jeans, and it, that's pretty easy. Yes. But also, one of my other jobs that I do is sometimes I do background for movies and TV shows. And with that, you have to come with your own kit. So I do have to have some statement pieces because when I show up to a part as an extra in a movie or a show, I need to bring clothing that is neutral because I'm supposed to be in the background, but also is stylish. Yeah, see, and the grad student life is like riding in a room alone, so I need sweaters. Active wear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's actually, we talked about um, our challenge in the last episode where we went through our closets and saw how many pieces we had and decided what was going to stay and what was going to go. And I had about eight pieces that I haven't worn very often, but they're so perfect for work as a background like person in movies and shows that I'm going to keep them even though their exclusive use is to be brought to set. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was a similar thing with, I have like a number of suit jackets that I don't wear very often. I just haven't recently had occasion to, but I'm like not going to get rid of those because they're still useful in some contexts. It's just that when you are finishing your PhD, you do not need to dress up very often. <laughs> <laughs> You need nice. to stay in a room by yourself and write. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll just just to say that like everyone's wardrobe is going to be different, and this isn't about like Mary condoing your wardrobe, but it is just like thinking more consciously about what genuinely do you wear, what don't you wear, and what genuinely do you need in a wardrobe. So there are basically six components to a conscious closet. So the first set is like for keeps clothing. So that's stuff you own right now, you love and you want to keep wearing. Don't shame yourself if you think that you bought a thing unethically that you like. Just keep it. If you love it, keeping it and wearing it more is only going to make the footprint of that clothing better over time. Then there is clothes that are new to you, but not new. So you can swap, borrow, make. um, Thrift. Thrift, yeah. You can get hand-me-downs, you can go to the resale market, you can get go to vintage shops. A lot of different ways to get clothes that are not new but are new to you. Uh, then there are clothing rentals, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, she also says that you'll need a certain amount of like high-quality, timeless pieces. So um, in some cases that means spending more on individual items, but she actually does a really good job of showing that this typically will cost you less over time. And also, um, by like applying the right strategies, you can actually spend very little on them, especially if you're willing to go to like resale markets and things like that. You can get really good quality items really cheap. Um, and then, uh, 
the big, better brands. Uh, so these are big brands that are on the right path compared to their peers. So you will probably need to buy some of that. Um, and then conscious superstars. So buying to support really ethical, really sustainable brands that are pioneering. That can be good too. So we talked last episode about how we started with that clean closet inventory and clean out. Klein has some suggestions for how to go about that, which uh, Kyla and I looked at, but listeners won't know yet. So we'll share that a little bit. Uh, So it's a good way to really examine what you own, how often you wear it, if at all, what it's made of, etc. And you can learn a lot about your style from that. So one thing to emphasize is that you should not throw anything at all in the garbage from this. Some things you may want to have leave your wardrobe, but you need to have a resale or reuse plan for that. So you're not throwing things out. Um, and here are some other tips. So the first one is um, you should only get rid of things in season. So if there are a bunch of summer dresses that you're looking at getting rid of in the w- middle of winter, first of all, you're not necessarily going to make good decisions about what you actually wear. So you might end up getting rid of something that you actually want and use a lot. But secondly, it's going to be easier for you to responsibly get rid of that item if you are getting rid of it when it's in season, because a lot of like resale and donations people are buying or getting it when it's in season. So right now, if you're getting rid of a winter sweater because it's winter, that would be better than getting rid of a summer dress. Another thing, if you love it, keep it, even if you now really hate the company that made it, don't shame yourself for getting that item. Keep it and use it as long as you as long as you can. Um, And just know that um, building a conscious closet takes time. And part of disengaging from fast fashion is knowing that this is a slow process. Uh, The next one is ignore money. So if there are expensive items in your closet that you don't use or wear, it's okay to get rid of that. Don't think about it so much. Put sentimental items into storage and uh, pay attention to what you wear most and why they make you happy. So is it the fabric? Is it the cut? Is it the color? What is it that makes you love that item as much as you do? And then when you buy stuff in the future, you can think about that a little bit more, right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have like a favorite color or something, Kyla? I wear, yeah, I wear a lot of like burgundy and deep blue. It just looks good on my skin tone. Nice. (laughs) What about you? Uh, I'm a huge fan of teal. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So um, eventually you'll want to get to your what she calls magic wardrobe number. So that's basically how many clothes you need, and that's going to be different for everybody. So Klein basically says that minimalists can be happy with 50 pieces or fewer. So that's a little closer to the number that Kyla had. How many did you have again? I forget. I had 76, but eight of them were for background, and five of them I'm going to be repurposing. Mm-hmm. So I I would love to be close to the 50 mark, but also as someone who lived as a strict minimalist for several years. I also am not going to punish myself (laughs) if I want to own 11 pairs of pajamas. (laughs) No, you absolutely shouldn't. Yeah. And yeah, she says like, so minimalists, they might go as low as 50, but style seekers might need 250 items or more. And that's okay. That's totally fine. As long as you're getting use out of them and you care about the stuff that you own and you, especially the new stuff you bought it with purpose in mind like you you like this is ethical or as ethical as it can be and i need it for this purpose even if that purpose is completing a look yes exactly and so 
One way to sort of get a sense of what your magic wardrobe number is, is to, you can, one is to use a fashion fast. So that's where you take a length of time, you can define how long that is, and just you commit not to buying anything new during that period. It'll give you a real sense of like, how often you're shopping and things like that. Um, and then another one is a capsule wardrobe where basically you limit yourself to a small number of items and you can only use that number of items for a period of time. Um, a number that I've seen a lot with capsule wardrobes is like 30. So you just have to mix and match those same 30 items. That can be a really good way to it, give you like a more concrete picture of how much clothing you really need. Um, and another thing is like, even though uh, we've stressed like, if you're on the fence, keep items. Uh, it's important to also note that like having a more cluttered wardrobe makes you value the clothes that you have less. So especially at the beginning, if you've been buying like lots and lots of clothes, you might be getting rid of a fair amount of stuff and that's okay too. So when you're deciding what you're gonna get rid of, first of all, aim for balance and look for things that go together. So don't get rid of all your pants. <laughs> just don't <laughs> gotta wear pants <laughs> oh, stupid laws <laughs> um, look for pieces that don't go with anything else um, and either find a way to make them work with some of your outfits or that might be a sign that it should go cut back on super trendy pieces doesn't mean you have to get rid of all of them but if there's a trendy piece that you're not wearing because it was from like three seasons ago and it's not in style anymore then that's a lesson you've learned, right? And again, learn from items that you've never worn. So if there's something that you purchase that still has a tag on it that you never wore, don't shame yourself for that, but just think about like, oh, did it maybe not fit very well? Was there like something you didn't like about it? And just keep that in mind for yourself for the future because that'll shape how you buy things afterwards. Uh, when you're eliminating things that are like worn out or feel low quality, focus on like what the fabrics are that wore out more quickly and what brands produce them. Cause that can give you a hint as to like what might be better in the future. Um, and if you're even a little unsure, just keep it for a while and give it another go. You might find that you discover new ways to wear an item and then becomes a staple of your wardrobe again. And then uh, try to repair items if you can. Oh, I did this recently because I knew we were going to be doing this episode. Okay, so a couple of days ago, I was on a walk and I realized that the soles of both of my boots that I was wearing were coming off on like both feet. And I, this is oh, a pretty no. new pair of boots. And normally <laughs> when the soles start to come off, I mean, to be fair, I've worn them a lot. I don't own that many pairs of shoes, which means that I'm buying more pairs of shoes because... I'm wearing the same ones and they get worn out and that happens. I get it. But also, these are only a couple of months old. The soles were coming off and I was like, oh, well, no wonder my feet have been so wet for the last like week or two. Like, <laughs> the, the soles were just coming off and now they're like literally falling off on this walk. These aren't shoes at all. <laughs> I'm wearing bags on my feet. So what I did, because normally what I'll do is I'll just get rid of shoes where the soles are falling off. But instead I was like, you know what? This time... I'm going to go buy some Gorilla Glue, and I glued the soles back on, and nice. I cannot believe I haven't been doing that for years, and I'm really ashamed of myself because it was super easy, and I'm going to do that from now on. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a great example of repairing. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing is like once you've gone through your wardrobe, you've counted it all, you've decided what you want to stay in your wardrobe and what you don't want. 
you have to come up with a reuse plan. So that's basically like, how do you deal with the stuff you don't want anymore responsibly? Um, and there are basically like four different ways that you can responsibly get rid of clothes, but you have to really think about the item and which is the best fit for which options. So the first option is donating or giving away. So the best sort of short line for that is do it when clothes are in a clean and wearable condition. Uh, next one is sell or swap. Do this only for your highest value on trend and in season pieces and only when they are in pristine condition. Otherwise, they're unlikely to be taken and unlikely to be sold. Repair, do this when you can and either keep it for yourself or put it in one of the first two categories. Because now suddenly, maybe those shoes are now in pristine condition after you've applied Gorilla Glue. <laughs> yeah, they're a lot more water resistant now at the soles. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, the last one is just recycling. So when items are worn out and they can't be repaired, recycle. That's sort of your like last case scenario. So should we talk about donations a little bit? Yeah, I would say that's what I do with like 90% of my clothing when I get rid of it. I I try to bring it to a thrift shop. I used to live in London and they're all about like thrift shops there. Yes. They're all, you like study this specifically, so I'm sure we can do an episode on this. But in London, the model is that the thrift shops are owned by charities. So you get like this moral feel good because you're like, oh, I'm donating to a charity. And when I buy, whenever I donate, I try to buy something from the shop as well. Because I feel like if I'm always giving stuff to the shops and never buying, then that contributes to more of the problem. But I, I don't know, most of my clothes are secondhand. So I'm, I'm into that. What, what about you? I donate as well, but I don't think I've been doing it as consciously as I maybe should. Like, looking into this topic has really opened my eyes to the problems with clothing donations. So I think, I think I'm going to try to do it less now. Um, cause, well, I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have it. Make me feel so, bad about every no, decision well, I've no, ever made. It's just like, it's a thing everyone does. It's a thing I do. We all sort of like donate clothes. I've, I'm totally guilty of just like dropping off clothes that I haven't even really looked at how good the condition they're in and I just put them in the like back entrance of value village and I'm like I'm done with these go to a good home you know um but charities actually only sell about 20 to 25 percent of what we donate and the rest gets exported overseas or downcycled uh, so downcycling basically means that they get turned into like mattress stuffing insulations or rags they're not being recycled into like polyester that you can um, make another shirt out of. They're getting like shredded into insulation or something. Well, and I'm pretty sure that I read, especially in the rag industry, they can only take certain fibers, which means that since most of our clothes are polyester and that's not something you can turn into a rag, it just gets thrown in the bin. Yes. Um, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So a lot of what you're donating ends up in landfill. The other problem is, um, so if it's not downcycled and it's not sold, it will often get exported overseas, which in theory sounds nice, right? But used clothes exports have tripled in the last 15 years. So the U.S. exports 1.7 billion pounds of clothes annually. I can't remember. There was a country that gets a lot of exports of clothes that was like going to shut that shit down because it's causing problems. And Trump, like, threatened a trade war over it, so they backed down. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, U.S. politics is 
bananas lately. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> uh, so yeah, um, most exported clothes go to sub-Saharan Africa where secondhand dealers distribute and sell it. And that sounds good, but because we've been increasing the volume and decreasing the quality of the apparel that gets donated, um, most of the secondhand dealers that are there can't actually make a living anymore. And so a lot of them are in like extreme poverty because the clothing, like there's so much of it and it's all such low value. It's basically garbage. Well, it also pushes out of business any local textile manufacturers who would have been making good quality stuff and selling it in their communities. Yes. I think I read this about the Tom's model of shoes, where it's yes. like you buy a pair of Tom's and then they give a pair of shoes, but then, which sounds so good in theory, but then all it does really is like push local cobblers out of business. Yes. And like Tom's are at least nice shoes. Like this is, in this case, it's like, like Walmart t-shirts that have been worn three times, you know, and are made not to last. That were not good enough for Valley Village. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a real problem. Ultimately, a lot of this stuff then ends up in the garbage. Um, and then, like, the, I mean, statistically, sub-Saharan African countries, because they're taking most of it, are going to end up having to then just deal with wealthy Western countries' clothing garbage. And there was, um, there's an NGO that found that 40% of all used clothing imported to Ghana is immediately landfilled rather than worn or resold. So it really is just like, I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately about aspirational recycling where people will just like throw recycling, throw like stuff that shouldn't be in the recycling bin in the recycling bin because they don't want it to be garbage. And it's, I think the same thing's happening with donated clothes, you know? But then all that happens is that you're increasing the carbon footprint because now we're flying <laughs> stuff to landfill instead of just sending it to local landfill. Yeah. And also I think if donated clothes, like if that was a problem that we had to confront in Canada or in the United States or in the UK or in Australia, then like, we would probably consider more fully our fast fashion problem, you know, that'd be something that'd be in the news more often, but it's like sort of out of sight and out of mind, because it just gets exported to Africa, you know. Okay, so thrifting isn't the best way to get rid of your clothes. <laughs> no, I mean, go thrifting you, but like, um, donating, you need to make sure you're doing it effectively. So the first thing to think about is to really investigate and make sure you're giving it to a reputable charity. If you're using a clothing donation bin, look for a bin that's clearly marked with the organization's name and then go to their website and look at their acceptance policies. Um, and then another option is just to donate directly to those in need. So homeless shelters, crisis centers, and churches. If you have winter clothing or professional attire, those are often two really good things to donate because they're always in demand. Another thing is like anytime you're donating, you've got to follow used clothing etiquette. And that means always, 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 always cleaning your clothes first. Um, it's the best way to keep them from ending up as trash. Uh, remove your personal belongings from pockets. Tie shoelaces together because oftentimes shoes will get separated. And uh, if they get separated, they still have some value, but it's a lot less than if they're a pair. Interesting. That's not that's not something I ever thought about, but I will mm, now. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. Mend and uh, repair whenever possible, even if you're planning to donate still, if you can mend and repair it, that'll really increase the likelihood that it gets um, it gets used again. And uh, never leave your donations outside unattended because they can get rained on and then it will be landfilled. Let's talk about recycling now. 
So most clothes are recycled through downcycling. So the clothes that you recycle are turned into lower quality products like rags or insulation. That doesn't ultimately solve the waste problem because these things will still eventually end up in a landfill, but it does increase the length of that product's lifespan, and that's a good thing. So recycling is still better than landfilling. There are companies that are working on recapturing fabrics um, so that they can be used again in exactly the same way as um, virgin fabrics or like first use fabrics. Um, And that's really neat. And hopefully in the future, it will be both possible and affordable. But right now, it's where it exists, it's fairly niche. So for now, how do you recycle your clothes responsibly? So the first tip, if you are donating your clothes to major charities or thrift shops, a lot of it's likely to already be recycled. So you can look at their policies to check to make sure. But a lot of times, anything that's not being resold, they'll some of it will be exported and some of it will be um, recycled. Uh, There's also in-store garment recycling options. Um, I'll talk about those a little more when we go into one of the items I wanted to get rid of. Then uh, some brands will also recycle or repair their own clothing. Um, So they take basically take responsibility for the end of life of their product, which is something more sustainable brands are starting to do. And ultimately, like that's something I think all brands should do. I think H&M does that, doesn't it? Where you can bring your... Oh, No, Uh, H&M will do clothing recycling. Um, Patagonia is one that will, they'll recycle or repair their own clothing, but not other brands. Whereas like, uh, let's talk about this now, actually, because it is where I ended up going with um, recycling. Okay. But just one more option. Some cities will have textile recycling. So you can look into that if your city has it. So I had a well-used hoodie and a stained workout shirt that I wanted to get rid of, and neither of those will do well in donations or, like, resale. So I decided I should try to recycle it. And I was looking at the different recycling programs that were available in Toronto, because uh, to some extent, what recycling programs are available is, like, really local. So I found that H&M, American Eagle, Puma and North Face all have recycling programs that will accept any brand of clothing. So I could potentially bring my clothes to any of those outlets. I was not able to find municipal recycling in Toronto. uh, So that wasn't an option. The four clothing brands that have those sort of like recycling programs, they all use the same company, a company called ICO. um, And that sorts and reprocesses the clothes. So Since they're all partnered with the same recycling company, I cannot imagine that it makes any difference which one it goes to, because ultimately they're just bringing it to the same third party anyway. So basically the only difference then is like, which is more convenient for me and do I want the rebate? I don't really want the rebate for any of those brands. North Face maybe, but not really. Trying to get away from fast fashion. So um, (laughs) (laughs) That's how they get (laughs) you. Yeah, it's how they get you. Yeah. So um, I decided I'm going to go with the H&M location just because it's a lot more convenient for me to get to by subway. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's unlikely that those items are going to be resorted for rewear. But if they're good enough condition, they're good enough condition that hopefully they will be downcycled. Uh, so if recycling and donating is not the appropriate thing, what else is there? There's also selling and swapping. So if you want to resell your clothes, you have a couple of options. One is you can use an online service that basically takes on the entire process of selling the clothes to you, um, selling clothes for you. So 
Thread Up is one that's available in Canada. Another big company that I don't think is available in Canada is called The Real Real. They take responsibility for the process of selling your clothes. As a result of that, they take a bigger cut, so you'll make less money off of that, but it is like lower maintenance. You can also sell clothes yourself online through website websites like uh, Poshmark, and those you can get a slightly higher cut, but you're also going to be more responsible for the actual selling of it and getting it to someone. Not that I ever want to shout out Facebook, but Facebook Marketplace, I think a lot of people <laughs> use as well for stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then you can also sell in person through consignment stores. Um, just be aware, though, that like with all of these, you're probably only putting like your best clothing into it because people mostly want to wear like branded items that are in season and that are trendy, you know, in good condition and probably not for the price that you paid for it. So lower your expectations for what you think your stuff is worth. Exactly. Yeah. And consignment stores in particular can be very picky because they know what sells and what doesn't. So don't be surprised if they turn you down. They get a lot of clothes. The types of clothing that do well in the resale market, uh, so on-trend and recent purchases, if you bought something, wore it once, and realized you hated it, that's probably like a good candidate. Uh, luxury and designer brands and in-season items. Bypass resale if your clothes are damaged, if they're basics, or if they're kids' clothes, menswear, or workwear. Those are probably not going to sell. You can also, if you're not into like actually using a resale uh, tool, you can organize a clothing swap with friends or a community group. That can often be a good way to do things. I had a, a one pair of clothes that I thought might be a good candidate for resale. Um, it was a pair of dress pants that I'd only worn like once or twice maybe, and that just, um, they just don't fit anymore. So first I thought, well, okay, can I get them tailored? But Apparently, it's very hard to actually take in dress pants, which I didn't realize. Um, and so it that didn't really turn out to be an option. So I thought, you know, either renting them out or reselling them might be a good option as well. But unfortunately, it's a basic, so it won't do very well in the resale market. Um, I did look at Poshmark and Thread Up, um, but... It didn't seem to really like that wasn't the kind of clothes they were selling. Um, it was a lot more like embellishment pieces. Another option is to like trade on like Facebook Marketplace or Buns or something like that. But ultimately, I decided it would probably just be better to donate. But we want to do this responsibly. So I looked into a couple of options. So I live near a value village. Um, which is, I think I've mentioned earlier in this episode, in the past, I've just donated clothings there, clothing there. But when I actually looked into it, I was pretty unimpressed with it, actually. They seem to accept pretty much everything, and there's very little information on what they do with the clothing that doesn't sell, so that set up some red flags for me. Although if listeners know more about what Valley Village does with their clothing, I, we'd love to hear it. Uh, so my building has a Diabetes Canada bin, which is... Um, it's sort of like the most common clothing bin you'll find in Canada. They seem to be like the big clothing acceptors. And their website says that their clothes is, they're basically, they get their clothes collected by a social enterprise called National Diabetes Trust. And I was like, oh, maybe this is a really good option. Uh, but then I found out that all they do is deliver their clothing to Value Village. So <laughs> I was like not super impressed. 
Um, so the option I ended up going with was a charity called Dress for Success Toronto. And it's a charity that provides uh, support and professional attire and tools to help women achieve economic independence. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, they have a really good charity rating, and uh, they like seems like a perfectly good organization. So I think I'm just going to drop off my dress pants there, and hopefully they'll be great for somebody that's going to a job interview. Nice. That's all right. That's a good choice. Yeah, so resale didn't really work out there, um, but... I don't know, maybe it could work for something else. Have you ever um, tried like a clothing rental before? No, no, I'm, I've, I haven't. I don't know anything about it. I know that like guys will rent tuxedos for like weddings, but that's literally all I know about like clothing rental. That was all I knew before prepping for this podcast too, but it's amazing. Like, um, so yeah, I think for a long time it was basically like men's tux rentals. And then there started to be some like women's dress rentals that were happening too. Um, but now there's like a whole bunch of clothing rental companies that are out there. Basically, they op- operate on one of two sort of models. The first one is um, companies where you can do one-time rentals of specific items, uh, and the length can vary. And then the other one is actually like monthly subscription plans, which this book recommends is a really good thing if you're a style seeker. If you're someone that always needs statement pieces, doing a monthly rental subscription means you can constantly circulate through your wardrobe um, without actually buying anything new. So I thought that was a really neat idea. Ultimately for me though, they're like, the prices can really differ, but it seems to be about $100 a month is like the low end. So that would be for somebody who may be, like you said, a style seeker. <laughs> yeah, someone that spends more clothes. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think you and I have ever really been super into fashion. Yeah. But that's not to shame people who are. This is a really yes. cool service for them. Um, so that's something that other people might look into, but I don't know that we're the target demographic. <laughs> no. And generally, um, the book suggests that, um, and this makes a lot of sense, like, If you're a minimalist, it's better to just invest money in a few really high quality pieces rather than going through the rental, like the rental option, because like, I don't know, you're not going to need all those trendy items. But like if you're somebody that gets bored easily or like really needs statement pieces, that can be a really good option. And if, if you're worried about like sanitation, don't because rental companies always clean and repair their clothes. So you don't have to worry there. There is like the small concern of shipping and packaging, but this is minimal in comparison to the environmental impact of making clothes. So it's not necessarily zero waste. And depending on the rental company, there might be plastic packaging, but usually it's like, usually it's local. So it's usually ground shipping. Um, So it can still be a really good environmental option, even if it's not zero waste. Well, we haven't talked about the most ethical fast fashion choice, which is just to go naked all the time. <laughs> just always be naked. <laughs> which is really the most ethical thing yeah, you can do. Maybe you can do that in Vancouver where it's above zero all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have another pickup line for you, and this one is related to fashion. Are you ready? I am so ready. Kristen, do you have a mirror in your pants? Because... I can see myself in them. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a a slightly weirder version of the like party in my pants. (laughs) I like it though. (laughs) 
So I've got one more. Um, there was an item that I didn't want to get rid of, but I don't really wear. It's like a pink blazer that I got secondhand that I really like, but I haven't worn it in like a year because I just have not had the occasion to. Uh, so I thought, hey, maybe I could rent that, you know? I don't, I'm not ready to get rid of it because my, my heart loves it too much, but maybe I can rent it out. So I looked into, there's a Toronto-based rental subscription company called Dressed, and I think you can give them items, but it's basically one of those subscription-based services. So you can choose to either rent one item a month for $50 or three items a month for $99. And so they they had some nice pieces. I would consider that, but I didn't see a way to to rent it myself. So I bypassed that. And then I found another one called Reheart, uh, which is also available in Toronto. And uh, they actually do let you be a lender. So you can you can lend out an item and you get a cut of the profits um, from renting that item. It's less than 50%, but Reheart also deals with the cleaning, etc. So it can be a good way to declutter. <sighs> Unfortunately, though, Reheart, like, it's not taking on new lenders. They must just have too many. So... I wasn't able to do that. So in my closet, it stays. And in the spring, I'll just resolve to wear it, I guess. (laughs) I want to see you in this pink blazer. It sounds like super fancy. It's really nice. Um, I really enjoy it. So like all of these suggestions you've made for how to deal with clothes that you don't want anymore, none of them fit the bill for what I've decided to do with my (laughs) clothes. Ooh, what's Uh, that? (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of my clothes and I'm going to upcycle them which is something that you hear a lot of people talking about. But basically, I'm going to cut them up, and I'm going to make sound dampening panels for recording. Love it. So for the niche podcast listener... (laughs) (laughs) Who also wants to do a recording, uh, I mean, it's a lot of work. You can just buy sound dampening panels. They're a little bit expensive, and I have all this fabric that I'm not using. So I found a YouTube video, How to Build a Panel. So... That's what I'm going to do with my uh, excess clothing, is I'm going to just make sound dampening panels. And when you come to visit me in Vancouver, you can have one, because I'm probably going to make lots. <laughs> Love it. I was actually going to say, once you've figured out how easy it is, let me know if you think it's achievable for a little old me to try. <laughs> once <laughs> Maybe I've that's going to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your birthday slash Christmas ethical gift. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> like a really <laughs> passive aggressive, like your room's really echoey. Here is a sound dampening panel. <laughs> this is really a gift for me, so I don't have to edit you as much. <laughs> I can't do anything about all the ums you say, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I decided to do with my clothes. I nice. I guess it's probably pretty ethical, but I don't know. Yeah, repurposing is definitely good. You're giving it a second life. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see how we go. If it's anything like the pajama pants I tried to make that I discussed in the first episode, <laughs> it, it's going to be an unmitigated disaster. So <laughs> looking forward to that. I'm sure you'll crush it. Amazing. So in this episode, we have talked about all of the different ways that you can get rid of clothes that you have already purchased that you need to find a new home for. And we talked about how you can think about your purchases in the future. And both of those are really great ways to combat the fast fashion industry, which is, I mean, everywhere. (laughs) And as we discussed uh, in the first two episodes, in such detail that I literally cried in the first one, uh, it's a mess. (laughs) And it's just really, yeah, I feel like 
you and I have already been pretty conscious consumers in this regard, and we still didn't know how bad we were being. So I can only assume that the average consumer could stand to think more about this stuff, which I guess is our call to action this week is like, do this closet count and see where you stand. I think it's a really useful activity. It took me with my 76 items, two hours, but I was filling in a spreadsheet the whole time. So <laughs> yeah, I think maybe what we'll do when we release this episode is um, there's like a short template for a closet in- inventory that is not my insane Excel spreadsheet. And, uh, <laughs> we'll maybe share that so people have an easy tool. So you can find that on the website, uh, pullback.org. You can reach us at Twitter at pullbackpodcast. You can reach us on email at pullbackpod at gmail.com. And of course, you can get us individually on Twitter. Kristen is a lot more responsive at Kristen Pugh. But if you want to dox me at Kyla Hewson, (laughs) I welcome it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, Is there anyone you want to shout out this week who has been really supportive or maybe someone you don't know, like how we discussed uh, some authors in the last ones? Well, I mean, I've shouted Elizabeth Klein and her book out a zillion times in this episode already, but it's worth one more. Um, The Conscious Closet, if you want to disengage from fast fashion, it is an incredibly practical book. We've given you some of the tips from the book here, but honestly... This was maybe like a short snippet from about 50 pages of it. There's just, there's so many more tips that you can get. So check it out. Amazing. That's a great shout out. I appreciate that. Even the eight pages that you sent me were just super well-written and non-judgmental and very practical. So I agree with that one. And I'm going to say thanks everyone for listening. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Woo! Okay, Kristen, what's a computer's favorite snack? Bits and bites? Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) That's a great answer. Oh, that's so good. Uh, The one I have here is microchips, which Ah, I also still like. Also good, yeah. Bits and bites. That was good.